peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to the Softly Performance Podcast and your Lunch and Learn series, bringing you episode three of chapter three on heart health. If you guys haven't listened to episode one or two on heart health, we highly recommend you guys head back over there and take a listen so that you can get spun up and catch up to what we're about to talk about today in this episode. So what we're going to go over a little bit today is going to talk a little about heart rate, stroke volume, and cardiac output. So pretty much exactly what cardiac output looks like and what cardio hypertrophy looks like. From there, Pretty much, again, hammer home the the practical applications and takeaways to building us an aerobic base. And if you are new to the Softly Performance Podcast and you haven't tried any of the Softly programs, we highly advise taking a look at a lot of the different training cycles under the stamina team, as well as the strength team, as well as the apex uh, team, as well as all the other programs that we have in the garage health team, the garage fitness. A lot of these programs are going to be focused around a lot of aerobic-based development, as well as anaerobic energy system production and development there. So as well as understanding strength to enhance heart health, because again, a lot of people don't realize like, hey, you can use, again, you can use strength training to improve heart health. It's just when we do too much of something, it does have a a consequence to it. Lastly, we're going to be going ahead and look at how do we maintain the capacity on deployment and throughout a career. You know, and that's something that Matt's going to go ahead and dive down, talk a little bit about walking, breath holds, as well as nasal breathing. And, and again, as you guys have listened to me, I've talked about a lot of this, this different types of breathing protocol work, breath holds, the bolt test, CO2 tolerance. We talked a lot about those things, and I think we'll tie a lot of that into the episode today. But ultimately, you know, Matt, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what heart rate is and break down, you know, what BMP or BPM is and how that is viewed. Yeah, so so hopefully I'll try and I'll try and keep this sort of quite light and quite simple, but hopefully it'll it'll set it'll set us up so that when when George comes to talk about kind of like prescriptions and how how to build that heart health, how to build that aerobic base, hopefully it'll have a bit more context. So hopefully um, most people will be fairly familiar with with heart rate. Um, so if you've, if you've kind of ever used a heart rate watch or even some kind of the, the cardio type machines, you'll see a number flash up and without wanting to sound too patronizing, this is the, the number of times your heart is beating per minute. Um, and generally we, we kind of would expect a range of, let's say 40 on the lower end of a resting heart rate up to kind of, I mean, if you're going above 200, it's probably going to be a bit of a rough day, <laughs> um, but, but, they're, but they're, they're kind of numbers that, that you might expect a heart rate to be. So a, alongside heart rate what what does that actually mean well like we said we we know that that's the number of times your your heart is beating but that's not kind of the the full story um if you think of it like a mathematical equation essentially heart rate is is one of the factors and what we have to do is multiply that by what's called stroke volume so stroke volume is the amount of blood your heart can pump out every beat so if you think of like a say a, a water balloon or something filling up with with water and then you squeeze it that emptying is basically stroke volume so every time that happens that's the the volume of blood that's pumped out each each stroke if you like so if we know how much blood is being pumped out each beat that's stroke volume and we know the number of times that heart is beating per minute that's heart rate we have what's called cardiac output so that's the amount of blood that's pumped out per minute and like i said that's kind of a, a combination of of heart rate and stroke volume um 
so so what we what we generally see as we increase heart health as we as we sort of build an aerobic capacity is that that heart rate numbers so the thing you kind of you, you monitor that's going to slowly start dropping for a given um for a given workload so be it if you're uh if you're resting so your resting heart rate or if you're if you're kind of jogging at a steady pace relatively that number is going to drop as your as your heart health or your cardiac as your um cardio fitness increases and that's because the the stroke volume goes up so the so the size of your heart and the amount your heart can pump out per per minute goes up which allows the heart rate to to drop and hopefully that's kind of going to be a handoff into george talking about cardiac hypertrophy and and sort of how that that kind of makes sense from a practical application so when we go ahead and look at cardiac hypertrophy it, it's something that i actually learned fuck five six years ago um, and, and what I realized from that, it was understanding how to strengthen the chambers of the heart. And the way I break that down, you know, if you're, if you understand strength in terms of what they break down, hypertrophy, strength and power rep schemes and, and, and sets, I look at hypertrophy in that same manner, right? Hypertrophy breaks the muscle down, rebuilds it and strengthens it. That's what hypertrophy does for us. And when we go ahead and look at it from a strength perspective, we know that anywhere between three to three to six sets of pretty much eight to 15, uh, reps is, is focused on hypertrophy development. So I kind of take that same idea and move it over into training the heart in terms of like, okay, cool. I want to go ahead and train the heart rate at a very low uh, beat per minute, meaning anywhere between a 110 to a 130. And what we're doing there, the heart now is working at a very low effort, meaning that it's now able to go ahead and contract and expand, contract and expand very, very efficient and powerful and what we do is we then strengthen the hearts of the chamber to allow for us to increase stroke volume cardiac output and overall manage your heart rate in beats per minute and what we've seen with this is is that what it does for us it only accumulates and allows for us to go ahead and have this massive muscle of just blood and oxygen and nutrients that just gets boom, pushes out into the system. So again, the goal there, what we're trying to do is really, really apply this physical stress to the heart to where it allows for periods of, you know, that we can get the heart rate back down to where it can go ahead and allow for homeostasis to go ahead and regain. Because ultimately, that's what it is. That's what our heart is doing. So when it comes from a cardiac hypertrophy perspective, what does that look like? Well, it's simple. Keep your heart rate below 130 and a 110 and literally either easy bike, easy hike, something that's going to go ahead and lick and stay in that response to allow for it to go ahead and develop the electrical system and currency to give the heart what it needs. Because then over time, it learns how to do that as we go ahead and start getting into those higher heart rates to handle higher bouts of duration, output, and stress. Okay. So to, to kind of, if you were, this is for people who, who perhaps aren't currently following a, uh, one of the Softly Cycles, Softly Teams, um, if you were to just kind of get started, so you're saying kind of 110, 130 heart rate, whatever equipment or, or kind of modality that you want to do, do you have any sort of recommendations for how often people should do it or for kind of for how It long? depends, man, like especially the type of individual you are. Again, at the end of the day, doing it one to two times a week for 20 minutes is not going to go ahead and hinder your strength gains. It's not going to hinder your endurance gains. It's not going to do anything. It might cause a little bit more stress because you're trying to fit in two 20-minute walks or hikes or something that's going to go ahead and get the heart rate elevated a little bit. But other than that, though, like that's it's it's pretty simple to, to 
to apply into your everyday life. I mean, I know it's something I enjoy doing. I, I do a lot of walks and to go down to a story, you know, I had an ultra runner who signed up for this walk across America with a team of 10 and it's like a year long competition. Oh, wow. And as a team of 10, you go ahead and accumulate as many walking miles as possible. Okay. And the reason why I'm bringing this story up is because of the fact that I was kind of skeptical and asshole and as well as like blending in her, her training running volume and some of that stuff. And I was kind of skeptical on it. And the reason why I was because I wasn't sure how the body was going to respond to it. You know, I've been working with her for two and years now. We built built a really good aerobic base. You know, she's doing really well, competed multiple hundred mile races and other races. And she was like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to go and see how it works. She ended up being able to handle the, the highest amount of volume in running in her career of running ultra marathons. At the yeah. age of, yeah, I don't want her to get mad at me, but at the age of 46, 47, I believe, she was able to handle multiple wow. weeks of, a, of like 90 to 100 mile, uh, miles of running. Again, I'm, I'm not big on the miles, but mm-hmm. time on feet was there. And a lot of it came down yeah. to because of her walking. She was walking one hour a day on top of work, on top mm-hmm. of running, parenting, all those good things. And what we found was that walk actually helped rebalance her and ground her to get her back to homeostasis to allow for her to handle more workload. Yeah. I mean, we, we know like from an evolutionary perspective, like that, that fits, that makes a lot of sense. Like that's kind of almost what, what modern, if you like humans were designed to, to do more than anything else was, was to kind of to walk. Um, and like you said, we know it's got like some really good calming effects on, on like the central nervous system and, and, uh, yeah, is one of the things that's most that's most kind of applicable and, and available for right. people. I think it's 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 a really well, useful you tool. know, I had a, a a really good friend of mine again bringing him up. I talked about him in the first show because he was one of the first dudes I got to start really kind of working the stuff on in, in an in person setting. And he would go out and do twenty minute fasted walks. Twenty, I'm not twenty minute fasted walks. Twenty mile fasted walks, okay. and only bring, I think a liter of water and that's all he would do. And he would Mm. do that like once every three months. And for him, it was, he believed that every human being should be able to walk 20 miles in a day. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just kind of, I I guess kind of shows how, how far out of our, our, or how far into our comfort zone we like to be. We don't like to kind of live on the fringes of stuff Correct. like that. Correct, and like whenever, you, so it was kind of one of those things where it was like, all right, cool, well, how do we go ahead and help somebody in that manner go walk 20 miles for the day only on water? We can't make him a carb-dependent athlete. I know that he, we use a gym all the time. He's in the, in the gym doing functional fitness work, but we're also doing endurance work. And it was like, okay, cool, there has to be something to this. So when I started getting back into the idea of cardiac hypertrophy and understanding what that did to the heart from bringing in nutrients and learning how to go ahead and use those the, the metabolic system properly, we then just gave him that extra pill to where he was now able to not tap into his glycogen stores whatsoever and only utilize fat stores and oxidative process to go ahead and move through to where he didn't have to also now use as much water. Mm, okay. Right? The dude was, he, at that time period, I think he was 43. Mm, okay. Um, but you know, and the same thing too, when we go to look at all of these ideas and I'll go ahead and take it with this, you know, with the athlete who I just helped get 
to the best ranger challenge and took second place. For two and a half months, we did nothing but cardiac hypertrophy, cardiac output, heart rate training for very for that two-month period to build it. And then when we got into the training block to really focus, I started pulling it out because there was no need for it. He's not going to be tracking heart rate in his, in, his, in his event. We started pulling it out and started getting more doses of higher elevated fitness, higher bouts of aerobic and anaerobic threshold and the mixing of energy systems that way and higher bouts of power. But again... If it wasn't for the, the, how strong his heart was, he wouldn't have been able to handle the training volume, and then he wouldn't have been able to recover between events at the Best Ranger Challenge as he did to go ahead and still put performance up there. And that's ultimately the idea mm -hmm. here is like, hey, if I'm taking an individual who's going on deployment when we talk about this, right, because we're getting ready to go into this idea of you know, how to maintain capacity or deployment through career, well, it's super, super easy and simple to the point. When I say easy, I hate using the word easy. It's simple. But is it difficult to get a, a, a type A individual who is in the tactical professional community to be like, hey, we need to work on aerobic development work so it helps you long term. And it also helps you be more of an asset when you're doing your job. That doesn't sound all the time, sounds that sexy. But when I go ahead and go ahead and bring it from this viewpoint and being like, I need to train your heart so that you don't kill yourself or kill other people around you. And so that you can then manage stress and buffer it so that when it's time to come and do it again, you've recovered enough to go ahead and perform to that same level or even more. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly hard to argue with that. Right. Definitely. Right. Because yeah. it, yeah. Well, we know, I was just going to say, we know from, from kind of um, like age, like research into aging as well, that the kind of um, like, I appreciate this is kind of a clumsy uh, analogy to draw, but we know we know that like the hunter-gatherer tribes um, in in kind of places like Africa that are relatively close to like we talked about before our, our evolutionary history. Um, they're they're kind of they're like um, their aging curve, I guess, is is different to us. So often in the in the West, people will kind of be they'll be doing all right, doing all right, and then they'll have like a protracted um, kind of decline before death. So like quality of life diminishes and things like that. And, and certainly anecdotally, I know from, from, uh, my experience in this community, that's kind of the last thing that yeah, most people worry about most type A people want. Whereas what we, what we see normally in, in that kind of hunter gatherer type type community is they potentially like the, the, the age isn't as long. So life expectancy maybe isn't quite as long, but there's a much steeper drop off. Okay. So quality of life stays much higher relatively for much longer. Um, and, and again, I, I appreciate people have different perspectives on this, but, but things like, like that are, are, are kind of maybe less important to you at the start of your career, but that's kind of when you have to like start getting into these habits of, of adding in, adding in pieces of, of aerobic or, or heart health type work. And it doesn't need to look like, so that's kind of something we talked about last episode. It doesn't need to look like thrashing a, a kind of a cross country run or a, a, a loaded march three times a week. It can be something that's, that's really fun. So just follow the, the, the protocols that, that George talked about in terms of that, that 110, 130-ish heart rate for kind of your, your 20, 30, 40 minutes. If you can get that in a couple of times a week, that'll make, that'll pay off massive dividends towards like now, but towards the back end of your career in particular. And and the, the body's not great at kind of determining, oh, well, I, I was doing running today or I was doing biking today. It just kind of, it's the, the more the, like the metabolic stress, right. if you like. So there's no, there's no reason that that couldn't be maybe 
20 minutes of, of kind of doing stuff around the yard, around the garden or playing with your kids, like maybe playing with a Frisbee or, or throwing a football or something like that. Make it stuff that's, that's really applicable and enjoyable to you rather than like, oh, shit me, I've got to go and <laughs> go put my running trainers on after doing like a full day and do another run on top of all the training yep. I'm doing already. Um, and we find that, that that way it, when we talked about um, concurrent training in like a, a separate podcast we did, where we see where we see those clashes, where we see endurance and strength training colliding and, and having like deleterious effects, is when like the intensity is too high in, in both of them, where they're they're trying to kind of conflict against each other. When you have activities that are like 20 minutes and that are really enjoyable, generally there's much less conflict 100%. because it causes less stress to the system. And like I said, that that can be even th- that can be things like getting in the pool. And, uh, and kind of playing it doesn't necessarily have to be swimming like hard lengths uh, it's just a case of making it making it fun yeah so let's go ahead and go into the next portion of this is like how do we maintain our, our heart health and the capacity to go ahead and keep our heart strong without just always jumping in the rower or the bike or going for long runs it's as simple as like you know matt said let's swim i think swimming is probably one of the best if swimming and rowing are the two most efficient methods of increasing cardio, cardiac hypertrophy due to the fact that the control setting, you know, the rower, I can put it at a damper of a three or a four and I can just row and I can find that heart rates and, and just maintain it. And I can even know that just by closing my mouth and just breathe through my nose and keep a nice effort and keep it at a two ten pace at a damper of a three or four, that's usually a good piece for me that I can do, especially after a heavy training session or a heavy strength day or even a big, run day, I would like, I still like to utilize that. Those things is how to recover from the previous session to regain, regain homeostasis. So one of those things that I want to talk about, we were going to be specific walking, right? And we're going to go and give you guys a challenge and do your own little case study. If you guys want, make yourself your own scientist, but go ahead and, and, you know, if you have a heart rate monitor or whatever else, do a 20 minute walk at a, at a, at a, at a, at a quick brisk speed. Right. Once you're done, check how fast it took you to get below. You know, let's say your heart rate increased, you know, to a 130, 140. Cool. Awesome. Start tracking that. And again, track the decrease to where it finally got below either a 110 to a 100 and lets you know your recovery on that. As well as like track it over the over the next two to three walks that you do um, throughout your day you know, throughout the week and see how you feel. And if you have a heart rate monitor, go ahead and track that as well and see what happens to your resting heart rate. See how you noticed an influx of, of cognitive function and attention. And, you know, you just feel good overall. The next one is going to be breath holds. And that's something that I run, you know, I've played around with quite a bit and I've had, you know, we've talked about this on other shows. I had to get away from the idea of doing Wim Hof at first and how to get to more of a Pirayama breathing practice because of the, the parasympathetic response from that compared to the Wim Hof method, which had a very high sympathetic response. So, you know, Matt's been doing some digging into some more breathing work lately with, uh, what is it? It's called, what's the new book out from uh, Patrick? I haven't got it in front of me. I'll, uh, I'll link cool. it in the show notes. Um, something about breath. The, the oxygen advantage was his first yep. one. And this is like the, the, the kind of the next in the series. I'll, and and, and let me go ahead and even throw this out to you guys. You know, in that oxygen advantage book, there's a part where he took, you know, overweight individuals and told them to just close their mouth and stop breathing through their mouth and breathe through the nose and go for walks. And he saw over a six to eight week period, individuals started to losing weight. And again, that goes back to understanding by taking you out of this carb dependent aspect and making you more fat dependent and making you more flex- metabolically flexible. It only increases heart health. Ultimately, meaning that then we can start burning fat, we can start getting rid of those things and it increases everything else. 
So that's one of them. And, and, and again, the next big thing is, is the bolt test. I think that's something that I've utilized in the past on athletes. I utilize on myself and I, and it's one thing that Matt hits home on right now. Matt's loves the bolt test. He's like, let me go and see into, into the look of what is going on. And I'll let him go ahead and go over what the bolt test is. Yeah. Again, we'll, we'll put a link so, so you don't have to kind of try and do this like as you're, as you're following along. Um, I'm, I'm all about anything that's kind of free and really accessible. So, so this is awesome. Um, essentially the, the bolt test, you're, you're going to perform an exhale. Um, so you're going to breathe out. And then once you fully breathe, once you, you fully exhaled, you're going to start a timer and you're going to see how long it is from when you first started the, the timer to when you have your first urge to breathe. So that's not like blacking out, I'm dying, I can't hold any longer. What you feel is normally either like a swallowing sensation or you'll notice your diaphragm starts to kick and it kind of looks like a bit of a, a weird sort of alien style contraction coming coming from like your, your lower abdomen. Um, and, and like clock that time, take a, take a note of, of kind of how long that is. Um, again, we'll, we'll put links in the show notes so you can, you can kind of get properly into this stuff if you're, if you're interested, but as a ballpark, we're looking ideally at somewhere between like 30, 40 seconds plus of a, of a breath hold, uh, anything under about 15, 20 seconds, as I understand from the, from the research, there is kind of increased correlations with things like anxiety and stress. Um, so so we'll we'll kind of get into this stuff a little bit more in in a future chapter, I think. Um, but definitely check check out the the bolt score. It's a really um, it's a really kind of easy way of getting a good indication of what's going on with your like your central nervous system and like George has been talking about heart health and just recognizing that those two things are so intertwined. It's re- it's really hard to kind of tear them tear them apart. Um, but yeah, bolt test is a really good baseline cool. to to kind of have if you if you if you kind of want to start this this sort of little walking challenge of, of just adding a couple of a couple of walks in every day only needs to be sort of 15, 20 minutes, or it can be another activity yeah. if you, if you prefer and just track that, track that bolt score and, and see kind of how, how things, how things. Yeah. Out. And, and again, so you guys from, from experience for myself and then working with, with athletes of, of utilizing the bolt test, as we increase heart health in the aerobic the aerobic base, you'll start seeing that CO2 bolt, CO2 bolt test start to increase in seconds. So you might see that you started off at like a 20 at a, at a 19. And I have, I have actually legit evidence and research on an athlete who I picked up and it took, we saw an increase in her, in her bolt score over like 12 weeks. It took a good 12 weeks to implement breathing protocol work, practice that, do a bunch of aerobic base work, lower stress in her system, lower anxiety. And her numbers went up to, a, I think it was like a 37 within 12, a 37 to 40 seconds was like the 12 week mark is what we saw her doing. But then we also started seeing like whenever, again, this was the whole idea. Whenever we saw a hard training session, you know, within the next two days, we saw a decrease in CO2 in the bolt test. And again, this goes to the idea of we're going to go into strength now, strength training to enhance the heart. It's this idea that the heart is a muscle as well. So just like our quads, our, our shoulders, whenever we do some kind of heavy training session, we have delayed on muscle soreness. It's the same thing that happens with your heart. You have delayed on muscle soreness with your heart. So for example, if you did a really high intensity training session on a Monday, you might not see the effects of that until Tuesday or until Wednesday, potentially. 
most of the time of what happened to the heart. And then the same thing, if you did something super easy on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, you saw your heart rate spike, and you're like, well, I just did a super low intensity training session. I guarantee you the next day after that Wednesday, you'll see your bolt score back increase, your resting heart rate decrease, and HRV potentially skyrocket as well, because again, your heart had the ability to recover from that high intensity training session on Monday. It just took two days to recover from that. So. I'll go over that here in a little bit, but let's go ahead and talk a little bit about strength training and, and how we go ahead and, and enhancing the heart in that manner. So again, it just becomes another tool. So think of it as like another another option. If if you're someone who really doesn't enjoy doing quote unquote cardio, I uh, think kind of like 80s bodybuilding montages. If, if you're not that person, then there's no reason that you, like we talked about before, there's no reason why you can't do some some heart health or some cardio training with a barbell or with with dumbbells. A sandbag. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, what we what we're probably not suggesting is kind of chasing Fran type efforts. So really high intensity work. We're, we're thinking more kind of. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll let George jump in with his, uh, he had a really good example of a session he did the other day, which, which epitomizes this, but these idea, these ideas of almost like circuit style training. And, and that can, that could be you circuit between a 50% back squat and a 50% shoulder press, like push press and, and just go between those two for 15, 20 minutes. Shout out to Caldeus. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it can it can literally be whatever it is that you find fun and, and entertaining. And that, that session you described the other day, George, I, I loved. Um, if you're yeah, willing definitely. to kind of pull back the, the covers behind George's yeah. magic. So whenever I go to the gym, it's kind of one of those things where I try and be as creative as possible because that's kind of where the joy comes for me is from you know being creative, innovative in the gym from things I've done in the past or other people have done in the past and create and make my own. And something I, I've, you know... I've really been playing around with lately is how do we go ahead and get the most out of the sh out of a session in a short period of time, especially for the tactical professional, because of the fact that at times we don't have 90 minutes to two hours to train. We only have 45, 30 to an hour. So yesterday was one of those sessions where I went in just to play around. I was like, Hey, I only have 40 minutes to train today. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and, you know, warm up real quick, get loosened up, but this is what I want to get out of my session. And the, uh, the focus for the session today was focusing on, pretty much getting some spikes in the heart rate from some strength work, some time under tension, some ten, uh, in that manner, as well as some power development work. And then I wanted to go ahead and, t and pair in some work capacity, meaning I, I wanted to go ahead and throw in some functional fitness movements that are going to go ahead and help keep me strong. But at the same time, we'll go ahead and create a, a an aerobic and anaerobic response um, from doing those movements. And I can go further down the road of like how I look at movements from a local, regional, global standpoint of muscle utilization. But the session was as simple as this, and it took forever to get there. But it was, all right, you start 50 cows in the rower. It was five Zercher squats at 155, three jumping deadlifts at with a trap bar at 115, one rope climb. All three of those movements create a spike in my in my in my heart because I'm now under tension and I'm moving and I'm not getting as much oxygen in. So to give guys and everyone an example, I was using my heart rate monitor on the rower for the 50 cals. I averaged a 145, and that pace was like a 900 cals per hour. Right, pretty easy, just chilling. And I got off. I did those movements. My heart rate spiked up to a 170, 179. I got back onto the rower for that 50 cals right after I did those three movements. 
And all of a sudden, it took me about a minute to get my heart rate below 150 to back to a 148 because that was the target heart rate I wanted to be at. And then I went into a 50-foot sandbag walking lunge at 80 pounds into a 50-foot bear crawl into 10 toes of bar into 15 push-ups. That's one round. And then I did 30 cows, 5-3-1 of Zercher jumping deadlifts rope climb, 30 cows, 50-foot sandbag walking lunge, 50-foot bear crawl toes the bar push-ups and then I did 15 and 15 and you know when I go ahead and look at my training heart rate graph across the board my average heart rate for that whole session was a 148 147 with small spikes into that 170s went to the 170s 160s and what I realized what I was doing in that session was I was just again giving my heart the ability to go ahead and have this have this flexibility of spiking and then bringing it back down spiking but bringing it back down and being at those lower heart rates below that aerobic threshold allowed for me to utilize more oxygen to recover from those other things to allow to strengthen my heart as well as get stronger develop some power and you know really just get a really good strong training session guess what this morning i woke up I woke up at a 10 HRV. My, my readiness score was a 10, and yesterday my readiness score was a 6 and sympathetic. Woke up this morning at a 10 off that workout, and that workout was only, I ended up finishing in 28 minutes. Yeah. I mean, for, for someone like me, perhaps, who doesn't really enjoy distance running, or if you've got someone who's injured or who needs to like be mindful of their ground contacts, their ground impacts. Like if they're, if they're doing a lot of running and, and other content, stuff like that can be, can be a really, really useful way of, of just kind of breaking up the monotony of training and getting something that's, that's fresh in. So that's, that's kind of our challenge to you over the next, uh, over the next few weeks, have a go at trying to put in some extra blocks of this heart health stuff. Um, so ideally let's, let's try and shoot for, for two 15 to 20 minute walks a day. If you're not able to, to manage something like that, then ju- try sessions like the one that, that George described or getting in the pool or doing doing something that's a little bit different, maybe two, three times and, a week. See if you can get some extended. And real work. quick too, guys, what I want to say is like, now that work that I just did, could I have done that at a higher intensity and finished faster? Sure, but that wasn't the intent of that training session. So it's the same thing when you look on, on these softly training cycles and these programs. When we give you an RP or a specific heart rate zone to go ahead and stay at, there's a specific reason behind it. We ask you not to go below it or go above it because then you're taken away from the stimulus and adaptations that we're creating. Same thing here. I just got done two weeks ago running a 50K or, or, or running the recon channels. I always think it's a 50K. I kind of I mapped it out as a 50K training block. But I just got done running, you know, the, the recon challenge in the past two weeks has been a really easy transitional period for me. And, you know, those kinds of things help me recover because I don't, wasn't doing those things when I was training for the challenge. So it's fun to have that. And it's the same thing every, here. You guys have seen sessions like that on the softly programming. You know, someone tagged me on in social media just recently. It was a 45 minute MRAP of 800 meter, or I'm sorry, 800 meter easy jog or 800 meter sandbag run or 400 meter sandbag run into, I think it was like 25 burpees into some kind of farmer's carry into something else. And again, all the goal was to do that was to move for 45 minutes, not sprint, not do anything. And guess what that does to your system overall? I just increased cardiac output. I just increased increased strength, uh, stroke volume. I just increased cardiac hypertrophy from working all of those things. And you got a really good training session out of it. 
<laughs> it's cool, guys. So again, challenge today, you know, we, we, we give you guys is going to go ahead and get out for two 20-minute uh, walks, you know, uh, a day. Try and have it at least a minimum of three days a week. And again, if you want to go ahead and track resting heart rate, go for it. Again, wake up in the morning, first thing in the morning, track your heart, resting heart rate. You either can do it from the neck or from the, or from the wrist. If you have a heart rate monitor or you're using Whoop or you're using Elite HRV or if you're using an Aura Ring, Keep note of those resting heart rates and start adding in some of these 20-minute low-level um, focus, increasing, developing a stronger heart and see what it does to your, your resting heart rate. Again, you're not going to see a change within two weeks. You have to build consistency with this. And that's why we keep saying it's simple, but it's still difficult. So again, thank you guys for listening to us on this chapter and these three episodes. Again, had a blast. We're going to be bringing you guys more Lunch and Learn series. But that's all from my end. Matt. No, that's, that's that's me. I think um, the only thing I, the only other thing I'll throw out is for the for the walks. If you if walking is what you choose to do, try not to just walk on a treadmill. Try and get out in nature, or try and get out. And uh, bonus points on this on this challenge for the person who can who can give us the coolest backdrop or the coolest view while they're walking. Sick, awesome guys. Till next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>